Lauren Vaughn and the Metabolic Studio offers the Explorers Club to share meaningful journeys, encounters, and projects in an intimate setting at the Metabolic Studio. Session 13, June 9, 2016, features Meredith Hackelman, Millie Mason Moore, and Northeast Trees presenting a cultural exchange with the Bishop Paiute tribe in Owens Valley. Let's tune in, connect, and listen. Today's topic is about our trip to the Owens Valley this past weekend and a quick 44-hour adventure. And we were there with Meredith, Northeast Trees, uh, which is Diego and Brandon. Unfortunately, Miguel wasn't able to participate this time around, but we're hoping he comes next time. Uh, Nicholas Hummingbird and his beautiful girlfriend, Monica, uh, also was there. So we will begin now. So we started our beautiful journey with the sunrise at PPG. You guys want to talk a little bit about your experience? Um... We arrived at the PPG like late at night, so we didn't really get to see uh, what our surroundings looked like until the early morning. And once we woke up, once we woke up, we were like breathless at the expansiveness of the whole like dry lake bed. It, I don't know. I, for me, it was like a very kind of spiritual thing because to, and, and it, it was also like an eye-opening experience because to see so much expansive land and to see that it once was a, a lake like a full lake where we got all of our water from, it really gave me some perspective at the issue that is um, water here in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It was, it was, you have to be there to see how beautiful it is. Just like, just like Diego said, um, we came, you know, uh, that night, well, the night before, and, um, well, they, we were, we had discussions and we've known what has been going on but to actually see it um it was kind of really depressing to see that um and then to see what they were trying to do um uh with the with the dry bed now and then just mistakes after mistakes that that i started seeing or that i was seeing that um that were being done by uh by us because we also allowed it to happen. So it was just, it was nice to see all the beautiful things that were around there and then to see this, it just, it was uh, really sad. So, I, um, but I was really glad to go there and to see this because that's one more or one or two more other people that get to see what we're doing and what we need to change. So this is us climbing up the uh, silo. This is a beautiful picture Meredith took of the top of PPG, and that is the dry lake bed. So after we saw the sunrise, we decided to uh, go to Apple Hill Valley Ranch to get some some cherries and some apricots from their beautiful ranch and you guys want to talk a little yeah. bit about your thoughts so this place is really beautiful we we showed up and there was um 
many, many fruit trees, cherries and, and apricots. And it was pretty cool to see that once we went in because you're, you're in a desert. And then Millie was talking to us about uh, the farmer that, that started it. What was his name? Rick. 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 And it was just amazing. She said within 20 years, he created this, uh, this habitat. And it was all from... No, oh, not even ten. Ten, oh ten my years. Ten years. There we go. Ten years. And when Lou found it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was when we started the the the, um, the IU Garden. Wow. The, uh, the, That's uh, it. Food festivals. Yeah. Even better. Yeah, and it was just so beautiful, and he had all these fruits and everything, and it, he was doing it all himself, and there was another person that was helping him, right? Mm-hmm. He only has one helper. Mm-hmm. Only one helper, and taking care of all this land, and it was really beautiful, and it was all done because of the water that was being driven by there right right uh-huh. so you guys noticed all the beautiful natural ditches being directed into the yeah. farmland yeah and it was just it was incredible so really do they have a diversion from a stream or where are they getting the water i believe they have a diversion yes, from one of the streams a yeah. that goes right through their property mm-hmm. so are they a, a I don't know. I no, think he owns, owns his owns land. The, he owns the land. And his water rates. And he, he has a water rate? And he is the only uh, certified, he was when, uh, back in 2009, the only certified organic grower in Owens Valley. And um, that, now, of course, there's a lot more available organic produce, but he was the only one way, way back in the day. He also has lots of chickens, and he has two beautiful um, white um, peacocks. I've never seen a white peacock. Yeah. Prince. Prince. Now he has a second one, but Prince is one of my buddies. Yeah. Yeah, he's been there for years. I go visit him every time I'm up there, but um, he has regular peacocks too, but Prince is really special. Um, yeah, but he grows all kinds of berries, apples, all the stone fruits. Um, a lot of vegetables. Tomatoes, tons of vegetables. Yeah. yeah really it's very stuff. inspirational. Yeah. Where is it? Right before you get to Bishop, you'll see there's like this uh, kind of like big hill with a little neighborhood. It's right after Keo Hot Springs, the next left-hand turn. It's called Wilkerson. Yeah. And that's an area right before you get to Bishop off of the and it's you pick, or you can just buy from your stand. Usually, Millie and I, when we have time, we go pick. But we didn't. We were rushing to get up. I mean, we started our day at 5 a.m. and we went until what? You guys were up till like two. Two in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so after Apple Hill Valley Ranch, uh, we we drove to Bishop Paiute Cultural Center, where we were going to attend an amaranth planting with Julian from Quacha Alum, uh, who is a Guatemalan farmer, an indigenous Guatemalan farmer. And he started us off with this incredible ceremony. And do you guys want to describe a little bit about his ceremony? Yeah. Um, so I think he started off with uh, putting that uh, cross in the floor made of sugar, and he started piling up candles. Uh, he like laid down some honey, I think, mm-hmm. uh, and lit the candles. And but before he did that, he uh, passed. No, he asked us to gather some sort of like plant around around us that uh, was either medicinal or like was edible or had some sort of value to you. Um, 
and we uh, put them around in a circle, arranged them in a circle, um, and uh, he lit the candles, um, and he gave each of us uh, a candle. Uh, the green one represented earth and the sky and everything in nature. The yellow one represented um, uh, prosperity, I think, something mm -hmm. along those lines. White represented uh, purity, uh, and red represented like your blood or the, the, the sunset. Um, and it was a very spiritual experience for me because I had never seen that happen before. I've never seen such like, I've never seen any, I don't know, it was just like, I, it was bre I was breathless, like I couldn't. Um, I, I don't know, like, I had never felt so close to like Mother Earth and where I came from and I, I, I don't know that that memory is ingrained in my in my in my psyche for like the rest of my life. Brandon, um, so uh, do you have do you have any more other pictures? Mm -hmm. like this? It was just that. Just this okay. one. Um, so you know, just like Diego said, um, he laid it out, and and I think one of the things that I've that I've observed from a lot of Native people is that we we all have a lot of this uh, like the the directions, and he was he was laying down the directions of the north, south, and east and west, and um, and we, well, along with that, we also uh, gave um, our respects to to the different directions and and uh, kind of in the in the ending, when uh, after we had kind of finished in the ceremony, kind of fast uh, fast forwarding. Um, I, he was standing there and he was poking it and and then he asked me what do you think because there was like a clutter of, of all the stuff that was right there and he's like what do you see what do you think and I told him well, I'm not sure um, what am I I don't know what I'm looking for and then he told me well this represents unity this is all unity and um, and he was explaining this to me and I saw it because we were all together when we all lit up the candles and we all, it was funny, we all did a caracol in the end. Um, so I don't know if you guys know what a caracol is. I, I learned this because when I, when I did danza, a caracol is when, when, when they start, the person in the beginning, they start, and then everyone else just follows, no matter what pattern it is. So it was a circle, we were all in a circle. And then um, I think it was, uh, I forgot who went for, uh, first, but they came in, and they came out like that, and everyone just followed, and it was, it was like, a, like a caracol, and a caracol is a... What is it? A shell. shell, right? A shell. So it was pretty neat, and I saw a lot of uh, a lot of things that I have learned, um, and it was just nice to to see this and to be going through this. And um, it was actually pretty cool too, because there was other uh, native people from the area, and then there was native people from other areas that that were there, and to see us share how we all pay respects towards each other and towards the earth and towards what we were doing and it was it was a really good experience and I think um, it just connected everyone as a human being together so I think it was a really great experience and it was a it was a nice and long ceremony which is I think is great because when when ceremonies are nice and long um, it kind of tests you and it, it that's that from from what I've learned that's that's where you get your bond that's that's a ceremony itself 
is for you to be next to someone and you know I, I don't know how to say aguantándote mm. like 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 just bearing it yeah 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 like bearing to like standing and you know kind of just being there and that's kind of like a little challenge for yourself and you're all doing it together so I just thought it was a, a great thing that we're about. Thank you for sharing. Nicholas, you want to say a little bit about this beautiful ceremony? It was great. Julian, you know, he's, he's in Central America, Guatemala, and see all of the things that we all share and what we do, you can see the, uh, the same ceremonies that we have up here that they do down there, the same you would say this there's the same quality we all honor what we all derive life from when that's with that is the earth is, it was just it was, it was a whole it was for me it was a whole new ceremony it was a trip it's like being in, in, in our ceremony for the first time and there's a learning experience there's a beautiful thing to see how they do it and how they derive their natural materials and what they mean to them and what it means to overall how they believe in, in what they believe in and how it's so similar to us up here. Uh, and to hear Kulian speak in his indigenous language, which I believe was the Mayan language, mm-hmm. and to hear him speak and talk, that is something I could ever just dream of, that they can have full conversations with. And, and Kulian came to the nursery where I'm at, where we spent a few hours together just talking. You know, it was just like there was a piece of my family, and you know, we're just participating in another ceremony of one of our family members and just holds true to what we all have in common. It was just a great experience for me as well. Thank you. Mayor? Well, I was just going to say they were so inspired. They really want to start um, a native plant nursery in Guatemala now. They're so inspired by mm-hmm. this work and how important reforestation and and the native um, flora. Um, did they visit with Papa Yeah, we had them for about three hours, and I didn't realize that when they left, when they left the nursery after talking with me for so long, that they had a plane to catch. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah. And they had just driven from Owens Valley t- straight yeah. to the Hahamanga oh Nursery. We just came down from Owens Valley and came straight. You guys straight really to- had an epic road trip. <laughs> yes, we did. Even when we got back, it wasn't ready. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, of course you can. Um, it was really great. It was a really special experience. As part of this, we were asking Mother Earth to kind of allow us to sh- kind of... We weren't hurting her. For a moment, we were digging into her earth, and it was nice to acknowledge that and be present and remember where all of these resources come from and that we're a part of it. And it, it was really, really special. It was really great. Thank it's you. just great to have so many different people as well. Oh, yeah. Paiute, the Paiute, yeah. Julian, Mayan, all of everybody there. We're all different yeah. people. Yeah. We're all partaking in one thing and just bringing us together. How many people were there from the Bishop Paiute? Probably, I would say maybe 15, 20. Okay. And then the rest of us. Yeah, it was a good right? amount. Right? It was a really good amount. It was a really good turnout. We were really impressed. All. Was Manuel there, Manny? Manny? No, Manny wasn't there. Monty. Monty. Mon- they had a cry dance the night before, and he came really to water, but he just burned out and couldn't stay, so he was really sad when he was there. But Chris Hohog was there, and a lot of the other uh, 
people that grow food. So, um, at this point, uh, we finished the ceremony and uh, Hodian started teaching us how to cultivate the land, how to open up the soil. And we started planting the seed. <laughs> Something that stuck with me was talking about um, uh, about planting how many seeds to plant. And he was explaining with the corn, they plant five seeds in one hole. Um, one for the neighbors, one for the um, insects, and one for the animals, and two for us. Oh, yes, and that is correct. They do the four directions, and then one in the middle. Like Because when we went to the host, to plant with the dry bed Hopi farmers, mm -hmm. they, they had five also, but they would then north, south, east, west, and then center. Okay. He, they, didn't, he didn't mention that. And then that's all us together. Sorry, it's backlit. Great photo. And there's uh, people still. I couldn't fit everybody in there, but I got the most of us. We had a really wonderful potluck afterwards, and they're hanging out the pot. Yeah. So once we've um, finished eating, we wanted to take northeast trees and quachalum to touch the water in seven pines. There was a lot of water flowing. I think this is the most that Meredith and I have ever seen. We all just put our feet in and kind of meditated and drank the water and So we also wanted to intentionally show um, our guests from the mountain the water flows and then directly into the Los Angeles aqueduct. And so we spent a good quality time here with the water, um, observing the mountains. And anybody want to say anything? Thank you. Um. When we touched the water up at Seven Pines, uh, well, when I touched the water, it was I was expecting it to be like, you know, like lukewarm at least, because it was so hot in Owens Valley. But it was freezing cold. I couldn't even stick my, my feet in for like a second. I was like, oh no, it's, I'm, I'm shivering. Uh, and that, I, I realized then that all that water came from like snow, like up in the mountains. And to, to realize that we're not getting as much precipitation as we used to would kind of, it, it made me feel that, oh, this water is here right now, but it might not be here tomorrow, and it's a very special experience that I'm experiencing now, so, yeah. Brandon? And then, uh, so when we're, um, when we're there, uh, we're, we're being ex explained how, how the canals, how they, the how they work, mm -hmm. and how in different sections, how things function, and in, in a certain section, they, they, they throw chemicals in the in the water. Mm -hmm. They bluestone the water. They bluestone the water, so mm -hmm. when people would water their lawns and stuff, they would just die, right? Mm -hmm. And and what you said, the area was where where most of the native people were, right? Mm -hmm. So and that kind of to 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 stand there and just to know what's going out, what's going on, and. Uh, the reminders when we were there of how 
the people from that area are not even allowed to touch the water. I don't know if you have a picture of this. I do. <laughs> so, I just thought like that was really sad. Yeah. The fact that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Paiute lost their um, their water rates in the land exchange of 39, and they're still fighting to get their actual allotment that they were promised way back then. But only Ford Independence has its own natural water source. Uh, the other three Paiute reservations have treated water from the aqueduct. And they never know when somebody's going to, you know, they don't, the lower parts of the aqueduct that don't look like that, um, they're trying, they don't want anything to grow in it. So they put these chemicals in to kill the plant life and the, and the fish and everything. And folks just don't know when they're doing it. So sometimes it affects. And that's composting. So, of course, um, it's, this is a no trespassing sign and... Our renegade uh, guests, including okay. Meredith, were like, screw this, let's go over the fence, take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and then we realized it was unlocked. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and so this is, uh, this, these two women on the right-hand side are from Garden's Edge. That is, on the right is... Uh, Sarah Montgomery and next to her is Liz, Liz Goats and in front of them is Julian um, do you want to talk a little bit about Garden's Edge Mayor? Um, sure, Garden's Edge is the nonprofit that Sarah Montgomery started um, to help assist Quachalum in Guatemala they, uh, they are a worker owned cooperative that is all about bringing back the um, mainly the amaranth um, because it's such an important um, sacred food source and plant for um, their people and it was taken from them and destroyed by the Spaniards. Um, so uh, they are trying to build economic viability through farming as well as um, give people the ability to grow their own food, food sovereignty and then also they have amazing nutrition and um, parenting, like children's classes. And Julian is one of the main um, farmers that helps with business side of things. But Sarah met them down in Guatemala, I think about 10 years ago, and so she's worked um, very hard to have Garden's Edge do all kinds of work to support their work. And now they have a whole seed business, and I think Quacha is the only um, Guatemalan-owned um, native, like indigenous seed company, and they supply seed all over the country, um, where there really isn't access to any seed, and they um, they share with folks um, uh, how to collect the seed and how to share the seed. So, and Liz grew up with Sarah. They've known each other since they were five, and she's been working on a film about Amaranth and Garden's Edge. So she's been coming back and forth to Guatemala. And Liz is the one who cold called me three years ago and said, hi, I have this group, and we'd love to see your studio and meet you. And so, um, you know, I was like, oh, please come by. And 
that started a really beautiful relationship. And, and last year, uh, when we went up to the Heirloom Seed Conference, we brought all of the folks from Quacho Loom to meet folks at Big Pine and Bishop Paiute uh, Resins and, and had a really great exchange. And so we promised each other we would continue that relationship and grow it. So this is the first year that they, William came back to plant it. And then in September, when the rest of the crew comes, we're going to do harvesting and demonstrations about how to eat and cook the animal. So really beautiful circle. And we headed down to Alabama Hills. Oh, just before I just realized, she's also doing a lot of work in New Mexico with indigenous populations, um, the pueblos in, in New Mexico and Arizona. So they, and they're also going all the way to New York um, to visit a church that supports them as well. This is all of us together. <laughs> all squished in one vehicle. <laughs> I was very moved by this picture because Northeast Trees, um, these guys really help each other out on a daily basis. They support one another in so many ways, and this picture really talks to me. So I just wanted to add that there. This is our last uh, day at PPG, and um, we had the honor to have Nicholas and Monica there to spend some time with us. Also, Quachalum was there with us, and once it got dark, we all kind of just lay down on the concrete, and we were watching all of the shooting stars. We were telling each other stories, and we bonded until maybe one or two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> as exhausted as we were, we didn't, it just didn't feel like time for us to end our journey together. Thank you for sharing your songs too. Thank you. Yeah, that was amazing. Thank you. Thank you for stopping by. Yeah. Nicholas, you want to say a little something about PPG? Yeah, it was, um, it was one of those things where we, we just left Mono Lake, we got into Bishop, it was a couple hours away from PPG, and it was getting late, and we had a, a journey to get back home. It was about four hours, and I was like, should we stop? Should we stop? Monica's like, John, you're going to stop. We'll stop by, and, and then, like, contacting Millie, we met at the McDonald's in Lone Pine, and we went on this journey, and she's like, it's going to be really dark. She's really kind of, like, sketching us out before we even get there. <laughs> it's really dark. The building's, like, you know, really makes a lot of noises. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, and then sound like some kind of horror movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> it really wasn't that bad, but it was funny yes. though because we followed Millie down and we, we do the U turn and then we're going back. I'm like, oh, I wonder if we missed the extra bit just when you get there. And we pull up, we go through the gate, and and then we go in, we drive in, and just the headlights hit the building. We see just people swinging on these tire things. <laughs> 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 it was just suddenly really funny. It's the last thing you expect to see these people in the middle of a building. <laughs> and we get out of the car, we get the tour of the place, and, and we actually got to sit in the scene. And, you know, I was lazy. I was just kind of, they came and were pushing me. That's <laughs> right. But it was just so cool to sit there, and then you see the cars in the distance driving on the highway. And here we are on these tire swings, looking at this huge expanse of the universe that's forgotten to all of us here, because it's 
you know, all of our pollution of the, of the lighting and everything has taken away our ability to look at the stars and what really was a, a dreaming time or a, a, you know, we told, I told him some stories about our culture and how we believe that the stars are created and we believe that the stars are created by hummingbirds when they, they went to sleep one day and everybody thought they died and they were awoken and when they woke up, usually when they go to sleep they're at night and when they woke up during the night they were unaware that the situation and they shot up into the sky and put millions of holes into the sky giving us the stars and we believe that they gave us the hopes and dreams and the wishes that when the sun goes down that we're surrounded by all this beauty and the immense just world out there that we can just only imagine and appreciate could also be the expanse of our of our hopes and dreams of, of forever. And with that, we, we sang some songs and just hung out. And by that time, it was like, oh my gosh, it's already one o'clock or whenever we left and <laughs> continued home. But it was a great experience. I mean, in the moonlight, in this, in this, in the light of the stars, you could see the lake in the dry bed. And everything that I had witnessed and everything that we went through and our little journey, because we broke off after the cultural center and we kind of did our own thing that I was really upset. I mean, I left, I left Owens Valley depressed because I, I loved the beauty of it, but I left absolutely pissed off because every water source that me and Monica went to, <laughs> it's coming down here yeah. and it's being wasted. And to find out that the Los Angeles Aqueduct is stealing all this water, not only above ground, but from the mountains, but from underneath the ground. And it's only one third of our water supply. And we use over 168 billion gallons of water. I think that's a conservative estimate. And over half of that is wasted on grass and washing their cars and golf courses. I'm absolutely furious. I'm pissed. And it's a horrible injustice being a... Uh, uh, a staunch advocate of the environment and the plants and the animals and our indigenous rights to see all that just taken away. But then we saw a documentary called Paya. Paya is the Paya uh, word for water and what they're doing to take back their water. The momentum that they're building to their rights to that water and the rights of the land. And the movie was so moving because it, it was inspirational and truth. It's inspirational that they were coming together. It's inspiration that if they get their water back, how much more beautiful this valley's gonna be and how much everything's gonna prosper and be beautiful again. And that they're now gathering together a momentum to gather funds to be able to hire a legal team. And it's not just any legal team. They're, they're sending their own kids, their own people to school and they're becoming lawyers and they're gonna help fight this battle on behalf of their own tribe. And that to me was like, I can only wish that we would do something like that down here, our tribes. And coming back, you know, that's really stayed with me. I want to get that documentary to start showing to everybody in LA. Push, you know, native plants. Because, you know, once you get them in the ground, they don't use water like what Long does. And it provides so much. I mean, started taking showers every other day and not watering the plants as often as I would. You know, to try to conserve as much water as I can. And I just hope that it's not too late. Because everything up there I heard is sinking. Because they're pumping out ancient spars of water under the ground. You can't reverse that. 
you can't reverse these things. And I think it's so irresponsible that we, today, who live so far away from a water supply, are taking away from that whole area, and not only are we taking away from them for our consumption down here, we're stealing forever the water supply of the future generations. Whether it's 5, 10, 15, 100 years from now, if we're still here in 100 years, I hope so. We have to start thinking of more than just ourselves. And that's, that's what I left Owens Valley with. That's their word for the whole valley when it was full of water. I know you're touched. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Monica was just upset as I was. And I told her I vowed, and I, sorry, maybe I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I'm going to do everything I can down here to, to help fight that situation up there. You, you know, said it well, you said everything that you're thinking about. It's connecting. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Thank you for inviting us. We wouldn't have gone if it wasn't for this trip. Yeah. It was just 48 hours or more. Yeah. Less than that. 44 hours. We sat there and we thought about everything we did. Like, holy We just did like two weeks worth of stuff. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Two days and it seemed like each day was a week. Two and a half years ago, uh, some of us walked the whole aqueduct with the 100 mules, which was the labor force that built it as a way to really come to understand physically the system that moves the water from one place to the other and also to ask permission of the water in those pipes to bend the wastewater that gets processed here back into the city. So everything we did this morning on the moon is about our attempt to physically manifest a different attitude about wastewater management as a way, an active, an actively conscious reminder of the water source that feeds us. And um, so it's really great that uh, we're working together and with sympathetic concepts that we, we have an active debt to that snow cap um, and to all the, all the generations that came before us, both animal and vegetable and mineral that came from that water source. Um, and now we're part of a consciousness that's 100 years old that's exploiting it. And we're living through the end game of that modality. It's not sustainable. And all of us who think about things know that. And so I, I feel like we're at the front end of showing that another city is possible. So it's been really great that you guys could uh, go up and see that. And Deepens our our downtown LA Arroyo Seco LA River commitment. I think we can do continue to have many good dialogues and experiences together, learn from each other. So thank you everybody. Thank you, Millie and Meredith and uh, all of you for, for sharing today. Yeah, have just a few more photos. No, no, it's fine. Thank you. Um, Before we headed back to Los Angeles, we wanted just to make a quick little stop at Fossil Falls. And Meredith, I don't know if you guys noticed there's something in the center there. Chuckwalla, Meredith? Uh-huh, a chuckwalla. A chuckwalla. We saw that same chuckwalla. (laughs) 
Really? Aww. I'm used to seeing them like this big. Yeah, I'm um, on Joshua Trump. So this is our last picture. There's Meredith, Pedro, Brandon, and Diego's on to the left. I'm sorry I didn't capture you. But once again, thank you, Lauren. enjoyed the latest Explorers Club session. For more information, please visit metabolicstudio.org. And thank you.